0: Cheaper than our producer's underage system. Edgier than the stuff shown on late night television. Newer than Kim Kardashian's X. Live from Orlando, it's Crazy Train Radio. Hi, this is Joe Theismann, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hail to the hail victory. Pray on the fight for all these things.
1: Actually, folks, it uh, was a surprise phone call this morning, but has been in the works for a couple weeks now for a couple months uh, since the end of last season, but we got uh, Kurt, free agent broadcaster and former NFL great Joe Theismann on the, on the line. Joe, what's going on? Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. Uh, well, we know you were just recently doing the preseason games for the Washington Redskins, so we'll start with that. How did uh, the team look and what do you know about RG3?
0: Well, I know quite a bit about Robert. Um, I was with him uh, right after his surgery in Pensacola and basically, you know, monitored his progress all the way up until he got the clearance from Dr. Andrews and and Coach Shanahan to be able to start on Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles and I think Robert has progressed very well. Uh, He's one of those incredible athletes that just has tremendous healing power, great determination and uh looks like he's ready to go and play some football. And I think he'll play a smarter brand of football and protect himself a little bit more. The Redskins, as a football team, are as good as anybody in the National Football League. They get Brian Arakbo back on the defensive side as well as Brandon Merriweather. And offensively, uh, Pierre Garçon only played 10 games a year ago. They were 9-1 in those games that he played, Seattle being the one they lost. And then uh, Josh Morgan has had the screws removed from his ankle, so he's moving a lot better. Um, You had a lot of guys, too, with the Redskins on offense that were somewhat new to the system, Alfred Morris, Robert Griffin III, Pierre Garçon, Josh Morgan, a couple of linemen up front. And so what you wind up with is, a, I think, a very complete, a very healthy football team that came through training camp and a very excited football team to be able to get out and start competing. Well,
1: obviously uh – If you watch some of the other uh, experts and shows and whatnot, such as on NFL Network, ESPN, and whatnot, they look at the NFC East in particular as definitely a met with a mixed review. Some see the Redskins as far as first to as low as third. What do you take on it from
0: what you see? Well, I I look at the Redskins as being the best team in the division uh, simply because of a lot more experience, their second year in the system, and the health of their football team. So I. I would rank them one. I think the Giants I would look at as the second um be number two in the division um, with Victor Cruz under his belt. Um, you know, terrific young running back. Their defense I think is the big key for them to play better. They've lost a couple of key people though. I think the Dallas Cowboys they could be very good. They could be like they were a year ago. I mean, it's just, there's so much uncertainty around them. And the Philadelphia Eagles have so much newness, it's hard to say that they're going to be the best team in the division. But yeah, I go Skins, Giants, Cowboys, uh, Eagles, as I look at the division.
1: Well, obviously you you bring up two interesting points. Uh Have you got a chance to see the Philadelphia Eagles going into week one here? And what do you think of uh, what Chip Kelly is trying to uh, introduce to the NFL and the Eagles?
0: Well, I've watched a little bit of uh, a little bit of preseason, but there's it's so difficult to get any kind of a read on a team in the preseason. When Michael Vick played well. It looks like it could be a system that will complement his athletic skills. We did the Buffalo Bills uh, game, and Doug Maroon uh, up there, who came out of Syracuse, really wants to run the same kind of an offense that. Um, Chip Kelly wants to run in Philadelphia, a very up-tempo offense. And what I noticed about the up-tempo offense coming from the college ranks to the professional ranks is if you don't make first downs with an up-tempo offense, your defense spends an awful lot of time on the field. I'll give you an example. In the Buffalo Bill Redskin third preseason game, in the second quarter, the Buffalo Bills had the ball a little bit over four-and-a-half minutes. The Redskins had it uh, roughly ten-and-a-half minutes. In the third quarter, the Bills had it four minutes, the Redskins had it 11. And I I don't think you can sustain uh, a defense or give a defense that much work to do during the course of a game. So it will be very interesting to see how Chip paces his offense in the National Football League.
1: Well, obviously, like you said, with the defense, and obviously I study Philadelphia a lot, for my personal uh, home base being in that area, I think it's, well, so my personal concern is, like you said, with the hurry-up offense and everything else is, like you said, with the defense and uh, a lot of work, what's going to happen week 8, week nine, ten? you know, when you get further into the season and you have that much work with a physical sport like football, when you're that far down a along the line, Joe.
0: Well, I think, you know, I mean, and remember the other thing, too. At the college level, you have 100 players available to you. At the professional level, you have 45. I mean, you, you run an up-tempo offense, that's fine. But what about your offensive line? Uh, what about your receivers getting back? What about the rules in the National Football League that says that the defense has the opportunity to substitute, if you substitute? So, there are there are things that Chip's going to have to deal with when it comes to just purely the speed of his offense, and I'm sure he's thought about those. And that's why I'm, I think Philadelphia is the most curious team in the National Football League this year because there's so much uncertainty, and we don't really know what it's going to look like until it gets started. Yeah, because it seems
1: like whenever there's a new wrinkle, and not just with Philadelphia but anything in professional football, that usually the first year it seems to be very successful, but yet when you have that off season and everything else that coaches can go back and look at film and try to nitpick, they start to change against those uh, things that are brought for those new wrinkles. Would you agree with that?
0: I do, but in Philadelphia is a little bit different. Philadelphia isn't really changing a concept or a scheme, it's just a tempo. And the New England Patriots, as an example, I think ran the most plays per game a year ago, and that's 72. Now, in college, Chip would run it up near 100, and and at our level, you have TV timeouts. There's a lot of things that play into um, the difference between a collegiate pace and a professional pace. I think if they can get to 70, 72 plays, as we've seen New England do, that's that's quite an up tempo. Pace, and it's, it created opportunities for New England to be a very high scoring team, a very efficient football team. Uh, but they're like again, there's, they have Tom Brady as their quarterback. And this is a quarterback driven league. So is Michael going to be able to basically resurrect his career in Chip's offense? And personally, I've, I've known Michael for a long time, and I hope he does. Hope he does it after Monday night when they play the Redskins. he can you know do it for the next 15 or 14 games after that. Just like you are a Philadelphia Eagle guy cover. I cover the Redskins a lot, but it's a it's, yeah. a, it's a very interesting scenario. But the, the more the thing I'm more curious about in that regard, Adam, is what happens with the ride read option, the ride option, whatever you want to call it, and the pistol offense with RG three in Washington and Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco, and you know Cam Newton running the football. You know, what will defenses try to do to effectively stop those three? Remember, Russell Wilson was a pro bowler. Kellen Kaepernick was a pro bowler. RG3 was a pro bowler, rookie of the year. All in a new type of an offense. And as you brought out, I'm curious to see what the coaches will try and do defensively to shut this offense down.
1: Well, you mentioned there briefly, because you mentioned New England, uh Obviously, the past talk has been, I guess, for about a week or so, Tim Tebow getting released. Uh, Do you have a take on that? And this was that pretty much his last ride in the NFL.
0: I think so. I think what you know what had to happen was the Jets didn't allow Tim on the field last year to be able to have people see how he played the quarterback position. New England obviously brought him in to give him a chance to be able to show what he can do and. You know, he struggled through the preseason, um, missed a lot of people, and and really, you know, Tim can't play the quarterback position at this level. Uh, that's just a fact. Terrific guy, but if you're talking purely playing the position of quarterback in the National Football League, Tim Tebow can't do it. Um, he's been given opportunities in different places. Heck, the Jets wouldn't even put him on the field. The Jets started a third-string quarterback instead of him. And I still scratch my head and wonder why he was a part of the football team because certainly you can find somebody better than a quarterback to be an upback on the punt team. But I I think what happened with Tim in New England basically has put to rest, you know, the Tim Tebow saga as a quarterback in the National Football League. Now, the other thing that you hear is, well, he can go to the Canadian Football League. That's no different. You have to be able to throw the football in the Canadian Football League equally as effectively as you do in the National Football League because I played in both of them. So I'm I, I'm curious to see what Tim's next venture is going to be or next step is going to be. I don't think it will be as a quarterback in the national football league.
1: Well, obviously, you've been, and you know this guy quite well, Ron Jaworski, I know has come out publicly and said a couple of times he'd like to bring him in for the AFL in the Philadelphia Soul. Would,
0: I don't think Do you know would, anything would, about would, the, would, the AFL? No. Yeah, I, I watch the AFL. I know Jaws plays. You know, the reason you'd bring Tim Tebow to the AFL would be to showcase him and try and gain attention to your league. Um, he, the, Adam, you can cut this thing up a thousand different ways. You can talk about it as much as you want. It doesn't change the fact that Tim has a slow delivery, a slow release, and in the AFL, the Arena Football League, that's a, that won't work either. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what league you want to play in. It's um, It's not going to be a very, very good scenario, I think, for Tim. Well, I'll wrap it up
1: with this question. Uh, We obviously talked about your home base with the uh, Washington Redskins, a little about the Eagles. Is there anything league-wide that has stood out to you during preseason, or is there something you're looking forward to?
0: Well, the league-wide is the newness in certain places. In New England, they've lost, you know, basically their top five receivers. Denver gets a Wes Welker. Dumerville goes to Baltimore. Uh, the movement of different players and how they will affect the teams is something I'm curious about when I look at this particular season coming up. And, you know, where where is the development of a Sam Bradford? Where is the development of a Cam Newton? Where is the development of a Josh Freeman? Uh, you know, is this going to be the year that Jay Cutler makes the Chicago Bears eat their words when they say they're not going to negotiate an extension uh, until after the season is over. So there's, there's a myriad of different stories that I'm very curious about. And how will the new eight new coaches do, uh, with different football teams? You know, what's going to be Philip Rivers future now without a terrific supporting cast around him? So there's, gosh, it, it's an endless story. And that's what I love about the National Football League on an annual basis. Every year there's a new set of circumstances and stories that become very intriguing. Well, that is awesome, uh, Joe Theismann. Thank you so much. Uh, if you
1: can hang on the line for a second, you got it. Thanks, Joe. Uh, any chance you might be able to cut an ID for me? Hi, this is Joe Theismann. You're listening to
0: Crazy Train Radio. Sure, I'll do it for you.
1: Whenever you're ready.
2: Like tailgating, stock car racing, and the blues, Yingling is purely American. Like neighborhood hardware stores and local diners, Yingling is a family business. And just like talking football, politics, or beer, Yingling is no nonsense. Yingling is like a lot of things, but our lager is unlike anything else. It's a true American lager, purely independent in a way that's hard to find these days, in a way that's avoided every superficial fad and fancy distraction that doesn't have to do with making great beer. Maybe that's what's made Yingling Lager kind of an icon. It's no frills, no shortcuts. Beer that's all about the beer. Refreshing, isn't it? It says something about Yingling and the people who drink it. Ask for it on tap or in bottles wherever you go and get a taste for yourself of an American original. Think about it. We've survived for 185 years by making darn good beer. Yingling Lager from America's oldest brewery. DG Yingling and Son, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly.